Storytelling doesn't replace analytical thinking. It supplements it by enabling us to imagine new perspectives and is ideally suited to communicating change and stimulating innovation. Abstract analysis is easier to understand when seen through the lens of a well-chosen story. This is a quote taken from Stephen Denning's book, The Leader's Guide to Storytelling. And I love this quote because it shows that, yes, we do need data and there is a place for data and analytical thinking. But when supplemented by a well-chosen story, we reach a deeper connection with our audience. Welcome to this edition of Everyday Improvement, an I Speak podcast. In this edition, you're not going to hear very much from me. Back in the middle of July, my leaders, Kevin and Russ, the co-founders of iSpeak, did a free webinar on corporate storytelling, telling you what it is, how to do it better, and then talking about the workshops that we are going to be offering. At the end of the webinar, they also gave some free tips and some free tools that you can go immediately download and start using. This is a longer podcast, so feel free as you're listening to hit the pause button to come back to it when you need to, but it's a great podcast. It's taken directly from the webinar itself. This is the audio from it. So with that, I will let you guys know there may be times where they reference what you are seeing, and obviously you guys will not be seeing it. Now, if you are interested in seeing the webinar instead of just listening to it, please feel free to reach out to us at info at ispeak.com. That's I-N-F-O at ispeak.com. And we can get you hooked up with the webinar so you can see it and you can be a part of the experience. So without any more from me, please enjoy the audio from our corporate storytelling webinar. Here's what we've got planned for today. Today's journey. Who tells stories? The lesson learned template. Now you're going to have a, a follow-up option. We're going to talk about the six story templates. We're going to dive into the template called the lesson learned template. It says questions. We're going to stop and take questions, but we can do them throughout yeah. anywhere. You got a question, jump into that chat window, ask a question. We'll see it. We may not address it immediately, but when we see it, we'll be able to get to it. And, and we do have a place where we'll pause and take your questions. And then we're going to have all the, the little pieces that are going to be a part of the webcast, how to add inspiration to your story and all the storytelling delivery tips, all the tips and tricks that we use. And mm -hmm. Russ and I both deliver workshops. You'll see us online delivering virtual classes, webinars like we're doing right here. And obviously in person, all day workshops, two day, one day. And our longest is a five day class, really intense week worth of coaching and communication skills that the students get. And every once in a while we get to do a keynote and yeah. keynotes are definitely fun. We get invited to stand up on the big stage with a microphone wrapped around our head. And that's when we get to share some of that as well. But besides just us using some of these tools, we want you to know that we've been doing this for some time and we've had the opportunity and privilege to work with a lot of speakers. And we've seen some amazing speakers and we've seen some great things that work from any type of stage, a small stage or a big one. And we've seen some things that don't work. 
And so our, our, what we're giving you today comes from that experience, not just our own, but working with the amazing speakers that we've had a privilege of working with for a couple of decades now. And so we want to share with you some of those best practices of what we've seen work, whether you're an executive or an individual contributor or anywhere in between, we can all use stories. So you want to get started? We'll, we'll get started right now with asking them a question. Yeah. What's the most memorable story that you guys can recall? And, and kind of go back and, and think about something that happened at work, team meeting, church. You were listening to a presenter on a big stage at a conference. Could have been your teenager telling you a story when they got home. It could be any of those. Those are usually short, though. Those yeah. are more about, um, <laughs> how was your day at school? Good. They don't usually tell stories. Good. <laughs> yeah. Got to yeah. know. We have to shoehorn the, the story out of them <laughs> to get the story. And when we say memorable, here, here's what we'd like to ask is, uh, what's the most memorable story? And it could have been that it was amazingly good, or it could have been that it was amazingly poor. It could be that. We're probably going to focus more on the positive, but what made the story so great is what we're looking for. So we got some specific examples. Todd, who is one of our senior instructors here at I Speak, says he, he knows your story, Russ, the story yeah. of you telling your son and the two of you going to Disney. That, that is an awesome story. Will we hear that today? No. No time for that one today, but I hope that I have the opportunity to share it sometime. I always, um, it's, it, it's a special place for me when I tell that story. Well, and, and it's also a fine line. I, we always say that when we teach class, this, this is not Uncle Russ's storytelling hour. <laughs> right. That this is more about teaching people how to tell a story, not yes. listening to Uncle Russ tell stories. Yeah, yeah. So maybe another time. Um, Shara was talking about cutting the ends off a ham. Now, Shara, I happen to know that story because that's an old Zig Ziglar story. I'm that's assuming. That's great. Yeah. And, and Diane said, "My oh, that's not a story. Um, my, <laughs> that is story, a story. It is a story that she will be able to tell now about it's my computer to... speakers not working. <laughs> that will be a great one later on. Um, yeah. There is not a dial-in available. Um, yeah, so the question was about dial-in. And unfortunately, no, we're using the voice over IP here. And so it will be only through only through the uh, the computer that we're delivering the audio. We are recording this as well. So we will send you a link afterwards and um, we will make sure that everyone has a link so that they can get to it. So if you can't listen to it now, you may be able to listen to it later. Yeah, but specifically Russ's question, then as we dive to that next layer of saying what made it memorable, Carrie jumped in there in the chat and said one of her dad's stories about his teen years was great because it contained humor, feeling, and the message at the end. Nice. So I had a takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, Part of the, the one template that we're going to cover today, uh, by the way, we're giving you six templates, but we're only going to, if you want to say teach one of them, but we will give you all six of them before you leave today. And that's that lesson learned. Very nice. So as you dive into memorable, we talk about memorable, and then we sit there and say, all right, in workplace, at home, at church, who tells stories? And here's the part that we get this will come, we'll get a little, I'll call it pushback at times in a corporate environment where they say, well, we don't tell stories here. We do presentations and we do everything based on data. And it's, that's actually um, not necessarily true because even when you have data, we will have people tell us that they want their data to tell a story, that they want it to tell a story. And so even if you are an engineer or you're in finance and you give a lot of technical, uh, technically heavy presentations, you still want the data to tell that story. 
But we all know that there, when we've been in the audience and we've heard someone tell a very effective story, we love when we get that really effective story because it does have an impact on us. And I've seen several people type in here too, uh, Ken and Chris added in there. There's tends to be a feeling that's associated with it. But people who tell stories, we all tell stories. We all tell stories. We all live in a story. But parents tell stories to their kids. And we probably, if you have children, you probably do that. And so when we say stories, too often in a corporate environment, people's heads immediately go to story time. Like you just said, Uncle Uncle Russ's story time. And so if we think just that way, then it, we're not going to use stories and we'll, we'll probably shy away from this tool. And that's a shame because if you were to ask any professional speaker, what can I do to be a better speaker? They're going to give you a handful of tools. I can guarantee they will all give you these two. One, they're going to say, be a better storyteller. And two, master the pause. Those two will come up. Every keynote speaker, professional speaker knows that they need to be uh, well-versed in both of those tools. So we, we know parents tell stories and that's great. What a great way to establish uh, stronger bonds and relationship with your kids. We know that we tell them with friends. You guys do it all the time. You go to a dinner party or something, sitting around and everyone starts sharing stories. That's part of the conversation. Can I share the story of your bachelor party? <laughs> I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know. If we probably should have set that up at the beginning if they knew that they were going to be getting that. Well, probably not. You we'll said we were really... going to be teaching them a lesson learned template. Well, that is true. And, and I can and... tell you a lot of lessons <laughs> I can that guarantee... we learned from your bachelor party. <laughs> I can guarantee it would be memorable as well. <laughs> <laughs> and humorous. And probably humorous. Yeah. All right. So side. parents, friends, but, but I mean, really we're here for the, the business profession. Yeah. Business. Yeah. Business professionals share stories all the time. And sometimes we just don't know that that's what we're doing. We, we, and we don't recognize it. You hear a speaker at work and then you, you leave and somebody says, how was it? And you say, that was fantastic. You say, what did you like about it? And you say, I don't know. I just, I enjoyed it from the beginning to the end. It was great. And then you have a coach who's sitting in there and you ask the coach, what did that speaker do? They said, they told three stories. This is the first template story. This is the second. This was the third. They use them at these times and they use them for these reasons. So when, when we get down to it and you start watching what business professionals do, they share stories a lot. They really do. It's whether or not they're told well and whether or not they're told at the right time for the right reason, in the right place, the right time, all of that. And we see it all the time when it comes to just updates about what happened last quarter and where are we going next quarter. It's not about the numbers. I got yeah. the numbers. The spreadsheet's sitting in front of me. The executive doesn't want you to reiterate what's on the spreadsheet. Yeah. They want to tell you, tell me the story behind why we're up 10% or why we're down 6%. I mean, give me the story. Tell me what's happening out in the field because that's where the feet are on the ground. Well, and the key word you said right there is the word why, the word why. The audience always has that why word in their head. Yep. So let's talk about the why. Well, why are stories so effective and why are we holding an entire webinar just focused on stories? Why do they work? Yep. Well, I think, I mean, the first part of it, and, and I understand the, the simplicity of the brain, and I know you're gonna go into some more detail of, we, we've heard of the left brain, is the person who's got the logic and the right brain is the person who's creative. And I know that's you know not the specific side of your brain that, mm -hmm. that it is, but there's more to it. But people do learn from hearing numbers. That's, that's a fact. Mm -hmm. And people do learn from the emotion and the creativity, which is the right brain people. But it's more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Without, um, <laughs> we don't want to do a disservice to neuroscience here and oversimplify the brain. But this can go all the way back to what we would call classic rhetoric. And the reason why classic rhetoric is still so effective today is because it works. Aristotle was on to something here. When it comes to 
our brains, there are three key areas of the brain that, that we do tend to focus on and we will gravitate towards. And the first one is, uh, the, the first one is the logical part, as Kevin already said. You know that in business, you are not going to go forward with anything when somebody shares something with you. It just doesn't make sense. It's got to make sense. And then second is there's got to be a feeling associated with it. And we'll come back to that in just a moment. And the third piece is if you will tap into everyone's creativity, you can be a more engaging speaker. So when, when people ask us, what can I do to be more engaging as a speaker? Without even saying stories, we will say, you need to engage their brains. And when you engage their brains and they say, well, how do I do that? I say, well, let's focus on three key areas. You've got to engage their logical brain which I'm guessing everyone on this webinar does on a regular basis. None of us would propose something in a business setting if it didn't make sense. Second is engage their feelings so that they feel something. And then third is engage their brain so that they have to do something creative with their mind, get, get into their imagination. And we're gonna show you how to do that with our stories. So all I heard was I have three brains yeah. and my wife <laughs> tells me all the time I have no brain and you just <laughs> clarified that I have three. You have three, you have three. I didn't say how big they were. But it's still better than none. Three is better than none. <laughs> it is better than none. So simplifying that three down to two, these are the two that we tend to uh, have people argue about back and forth is about the logical side of the brain and the feeling side, as Kevin was saying, the, uh, the emotions, uh, whether or not they come into play. So based on science, this is all based on science. And that is that it's not just about, it's not just about um, does it make sense, but it's, does it feel right? And when we say it's based on science, there's a lot of research that's been done. And if you don't know the name Daniel Goleman, Daniel Goleman is someone that you may want to write it down. He is known in our industry for all the work he's done on emotional intelligence. My guess is many of the people on our webcast day have probably read some of his material. If you've read anything on EQ or emotional intelligence, it, they've probably quoted this man. So he's done quite a bit on it. But he points out, based on his research, that the emotional brain is going to respond to an event much faster than the thinking brain, much faster than the thinking brain. You want more information on this? You can go look up Daniel Kahneman. And Kahneman wrote Thinking Fast and Slow, and he covers the same thing. He calls it System 1 and System 2, that our brains will make snap decisions very quickly, and that's using System 1, large part based on emotion, and then we will use System 2 to logically think through something. So both of them play an important role in getting movement and getting movement somewhere. So we'll get argument on this. And this is usually the analogy that I will give people. How many people have done a news resolution? Kevin, have you? I'm not a big fan. Okay. <laughs> Do you call them goals? Do you set goals? Has anyone ever set a goal before? My guess is you probably have. You've set a goal because you want to, it's a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, whether you call it a res resolution or not. My guess is you've all set goals at one time or another. So if I set a goal to, to lose weight and get in shape, that's a good idea because it's good for my health. It'll make me feel better. There's so many good benefits. Logically, you cannot argue with that. But let's say I did it January 1st and somewhere around February 8th, I don't. <laughs> it's in February is when most of us fall off the wagon. And so my wife comes into me and says, why didn't you exercise today? It still makes sense to do it, doesn't it? It does. But my response, I didn't feel like doing it. If I'm honest, that's what I would say. I, I just don't feel like doing it today. I'll get it again tomorrow. I just don't feel like doing it. So my point is this. If that has ever happened to you with anything, with anything, you just made a decision based on feeling, not on logic. 
So I'm hearing we need to incorporate feeling into our story. So feel so stories that aren't just a bunch of data, they're not just a bunch of facts, but we got to build that feeling yes. into so, the story. Let's ask this question. So type in the chat window, if you will, participate here and give us some examples of feelings that you that could be generated in a business presentation. What's a feeling that might get generated in a business presentation? The speaker may be an executive, they might be an engineer, they could be it could be you speaking. You know, anxiety. Ooh, that's an interesting nice one, one, Nicole, to go, I was going to say the opposite of what I'm thinking most people were thinking, but why anxiousness? Why would you want to create anxiousness in a presentation? I like it, but what does it do? Sympathy, motivation, excitement. Love all these. Diane yep. says frustration. Well, Nicole says, <laughs> I wouldn't want to create it. No, but, but, it, but it does do something. What do you think, Nicole? Mm -hmm. What do you think that creating that anxiety in the story or in your presentation would do? Mm-hmm. No, it's a positive. It's a good one. <laughs> I think it forces. It gets our attention. Very nice. Yep. Who's, yes, yeah, it so it gets our attention. It. And then I think forces action. Mm -hmm. I think if you create anxiousness, if you create concern, that that might stir somebody to want to do something. Yep. People, people don't move when they're comfortable. So if you want to get their attention, you see speakers do this all the time. They, they start off with something that not only gets your attention, it gets your attention because it makes you uncomfortable. And then they... In other words, status quo is no longer acceptable. And if that's the message you want to deliver to the audience, then if they come in and they're feeling fine because status quo is fine, you've got to let them know somehow that it's not. And that can be someone who generates a feeling of potentially some anxiety yeah, at the very beginning. Diane had a negative there called frustration. Same Excellent. thing, frustration that creates that anxiety. Bill, Bill, one of our instructors, has a great video. We have a video example that we show in our classes. And he says, nothing is more frustrating than to have the internet go down, let alone to have it go down, come up, go down, come up, all in the same day. He, he tapped into the audience's frustration right at the very beginning. Yeah. And again, going back to Brian's words, sympathy or empathy, that yeah. I relate to the audience's empathy or their frustration in a particular situation. So, I mean, these are some great words. I think it really tied into what you're trying to go to, which is I mean, urgency, anticipation, confidence, inspiration. I mean, all these words are these feelings that we're going to build into the story. Nice. So let, I mean, let's get into the story. Yep. Let, let's give the template. So the, the whole point was that we've got to have an engagement with our story. We've got to engage them logically, tap into their feelings, and tap into their creative juices as well. You do that, you're an engaging speaker. We're going to give you uh, this template and then some of the tips on how to tap into all three of those parts of your brain, Kevin. Yep, my brain, my three brains. <laughs> Your three brains. Three of them. Um, and, and the other part of this is look for these classes. Some of you are current customers. I mean, we work with a lot of organizations, Fortune 1000 companies around the globe. And look for the class called Corporate Storytelling, where in the classroom, you deliver two stories. You deliver a story that's the who am I story or the who are we story in case you have to go outside your organization. And in the afternoon, you tell a story of making a point. And this is one of the templates that you could use where you describe a situation and you leave the audience with the lesson learned. There's a point from it that you might use with a team or with a teammate or with an employee. Outstanding. Yeah. And actually I'm delivering this next week for one of our customers, yes. the corporate storyteller. Nice. So the, the first question we, we have to deal with is when should you use this? Because we're going to show this to you. And sometimes people say, so I can just use it anytime. There are a lot of opportunities for you to use this type of template. Kevin just gave you a few of them right there. If you, you want to explain something to your team, then you're going to give them this lesson learned and what you can take away from it. 
We see a lot of speakers do it when they're a new manager or a new leader to that group. So it doesn't mean they're a new leader, but they've, they've just been promoted. They've been given a new group. They were relocated. They went from San Antonio to Phoenix and they have a new team and they haven't met this team face to face. That leader needs to introduce him or herself to the team. The lesson learned is a great way. It shows transparency, shows that you're humble, you're authentic, and you deliver information about you by sharing a story on what you've learned in the past and how that ties into how you lead and uh, what your core values are, any of those. So there are a lot of opportunities where, where you should be able to use this particular template. Yeah, and you don't even have to be the leader. You could just be joining the team and you've got to introduce yourself and you're introducing yourself, not the standard way. We've all heard it at those networking meetings. Hi, my name is Kevin Karsnick. Oh, the I'm resume. In the business for, yes, the resume. I mean, yeah. just reading your resume. It's like, why don't you bring your life to life? By telling the story. Absolutely. Here's proof that resumes are not that exciting. Just the resume. When you go for a job interview and they already have your resume, what's the first thing they do? They start dig, yeah. digging for stories. Yeah, they'll, so they'll tell say, me about yourself. Yeah. And then they'll say, I see that you've got some experience you know, doing this. Tell me about that. Give me an example of when you had to deal with conflict. All of those, they're asking for your stories. That's what they want to know. Resumes are great, but that's data. The story is what really pulls the people in. Yep. So we've got a flow, a structure that we can yes. use. Because I think that's the, the trouble. I think most people want to build a story. I want to tell better stories. I want to tell stories. I don't tell them. I don't even know where to start. And I think the thing that we can give in both this webcast as well as in the class is a template, a yes. structure, an easy process to go and follow. And so we're going to say, here are five things. Here's five pieces that you can just link together and create the story. And the challenge after this webcast, it's after, not during, after the webcast, <laughs> Go do yours. Go yeah. write your lesson learned story and, and start to document a few of the things that you could go share. Yeah, and go deliver it. There's your homework. All right, so here are the five pieces. So the first piece is you really just deliver for them. This is this story template starts off very quickly. And what we mean by that is stories uh, get very interesting when a decision has to be made. That's where you start. You start where the in this setting, somewhere in your past, you had to make a decision. And if the story's not about you, it could be about someone else also, but it, it could be a historical story. Like if you like to read autobiographies, maybe you tell a story about a decision Abraham Lincoln had to make or something like that. But you, you start with, here's what they were struggling with and the decision that they had to make. And maybe that turned into a mistake. In other words, the decision they made was not the correct one. And here's some, some news for all leaders. You're going to have to make decisions and you're not always going to know how it's going to turn out. And guess what? They're not all going to be correct. They won't be. So, we, I mean, we've all got that line. I mean, Russ and I have been in business together since 1991. This is our second business. I always call it the real business because we, we've had <laughs> lemonade stands. The other stands. one was real. We sold it. Well, no, that was, no, I'm saying. Oh, 91. Our okay. second real business. Yeah. This is. Yes, yes. Um, I'm saying not counting lemonade stands. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I guess technically we, we had a real business in college called, it was called Ballooners. It was a balloon delivery. Anyway, we've been together for many, many years. And, and so the way a story could start off was the biggest mistake we've made in business is, mm -hmm. and it, back in 1993, the big, you know, so, so you, you're setting up the struggle of the biggest mistake we ever had. Yeah, I would, you could set up with some suspense too. In 1993, I was staring at a piece of paper with a pen next to it and it was waiting for my signature. I had to make a decision on, and then you lay it out there. And so you let them know about the decision that you made, and it can be fine if, if this it was a mistake. You you learn you're going to learn something from this, and that's what you're 
going to share. So that's the first piece. Well, and the, I want to clarify, it doesn't have to be a struggle. I mean, no. I, I'm, if I were no. to tie this back to a real story that happened to me six years ago, I was in the dentist's office and I had to get braces. Mm -hmm. That's a long story. We won't go mm -hmm. that whole story, but you know, my braces. And, and I, the first line of my story could be, hey, doc, can we speed this up? Mm -hmm. Hey, doc, can we speed this up? You said it's going to be two and a half years on these braces. Could we speed it up? That's the struggle. It was my struggle. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a mistake I made, but it was a struggle of, I want to go faster. Right. And then I love where this goes next, which is we invite the audience in. Yeah. And I can use mine from the braces saying we've all wanted something to go faster. Yes. So that's, that's a great example there because when you, it, this line is so important because when an audience listens to a speaker speak, it becomes all about the speaker and it can sound like bragging or Uncle Russ's story time <laughs> if it's all about the speaker and they're not really invited into it. When you start off with the decision that has to be made, the audience will automatically start to think about what would I do? And sometimes they don't even say it was a mistake. They just talk about the decision that they had to make. And then like Kevin just said, we've all had experiences like that where we had to make a decision between this or this. Well, I made my decision. And then you go into the, the lesson learned is I made that decision. Here's how it turned out. This is what went well or didn't go well. And, there, and you mentioned about levels of interacting with the audience and, and engaging their brain at a very, I'm going to say a low level, you engage their brain because I'm thinking about a situation I was in. Mm -hmm. We could go to a higher level of true engagement by even getting people to raise their hand and offer something. Yeah. Well, I'm you saying say, as you go, as you go, well, up how, many, engagement yeah, how like, many people have ever, how many of us have ever done that? And, and you, yeah. you've got your hand up and people are raising their hand yeah. to a highest level of like we're doing with you guys share a word. Yeah. That's a feeling that you could use in business and you're having to type. So that's a pretty high yeah. level of engagement so, for a webcast. Right. And the high, keep it at a high level too. It doesn't have to be specific. It could just be how many people have ever struggled with a decision. That's high level. That's extremely high level, but you do not have to get into the details. How many people, like Kevin said, how many people have ever wanted uh, something to go faster because we were being impatient? It's you take that to a very high level, get them involved. So now they've placed themselves in the story they feel like they're walking along with the hero. And this is how audiences get to be the hero of a story is when you bring them into it as well. So then we move on to what you learned from the experience, what you learned, what you decided, what had to change, what came from the experience. But you share with them if the experience didn't go well, if you wanted to increase the speed on your yeah. on your braces, then what did you learn over those two years? <laughs> so you share well, that. I learned that I shouldn't have gotten braces. <laughs> So that you give them the lesson learned. This is the takeaway at this point. Then you move on to, this is where you relate it back to the next piece, the vision. You relate it back to your current situation today. And if you are the leader, or even if you're just proposing a change for the future, this is where you lay that out. Here, that, you know, that's very similar to what we're dealing with today. Or we find ourselves in, this, in that type of a marketplace right now. Or we have to make decisions because we're looking at an expansion right now and we're not quite sure, but you tie it into the business today. Here's where we're going. This is the situation we're in. So do you see how they, the audience put themselves into the story with, with the braces or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Now they're tying it back to, oh, and I'm still in this story because now we're facing this right now. But you take the lesson that they learned from that past and the speaker ties it into they, they tie it into here. Here's where we are today. And this is where we're going. In other words, take the core value or the lesson learned and apply it to the business setting that you have. And then the last piece is you probably want to give them a reason why you do this. We teach this in our workshops when 
when we give them the, we call it the MOS close. And we will say that when you, when you give them an action on what they're supposed to go do, you might want to follow that with two key words, which is so that. And let's all go back and create our project plans then for the next quarter so that and you fill in the blank. And that's really just the reason that we joke around called with them. What's in it for me? Here's the benefit that you would gain from it. But you can also tie it into just the general purpose of the entire organization tied into the core value. This is why our company exists, and this is why we do what we do. Yeah, I think the key word in that last one is that word, because. Yeah. And I think when you use that properly, it just really makes it stick. People have that with them, the what's in it for me, and they understand why they're doing something. So as we just walk through this really quick, though, because, I mean, this is like a pretty core takeaway from this particular yeah. webcast. Yep. So, I mean, just as we're walking through... I want everybody thinking about a real situation that's happened to you in the last couple of weeks. Just it could be anything. And I, I brought up the braces because it was something where I could say the struggle was I walked into my dentist's office and said, hey, can we speed this up? Two and a half years is a long time. You know, and then I turn to my audience and I say, we've all experienced situations where we have wanted something to go faster. And what I learned during these two and a half years was patience. I, I never yeah. learned patience. <laughs> <laughs> I did learn. I you learned it. You have trouble yeah. applying it, I just like all of us. Very much so. Um, and so we face that same situation today in our business when we are trying to. Yeah, you're investing accomplish. in something. We're not going to see a return on investment this year, but we keep making yeah. the investment because we know we're going to see you know the fruits of our labor a, yeah. year, a year and a half from now. Maybe next year, maybe the year after. And why this is so important to us is, and then you drive home that purpose at the end. Give them that reason. And, and by laying this out, and I really like this, I, I, it's like the spiral approach to writing a story of you just kind of, here's the first part of the story, here's the second part, third part, fourth part, fifth part, and you just lay it out. And if you went back and started applying all of these different concepts, you'd be able to sit there and say, I've just written a bunch of stories. Yeah. And, and for me, another takeaway for everybody is to start documenting their stories. That, that, that don't try to keep them up in your head. Yeah. You know, and don't the, the the coaching here will be don't try to put them into oh is that a lesson learned story or or is that a David and Goliath story? We're going to give you other templates, but don't do that. Just there are stories that you remember from your life. Just document that. We need the raw materials, and then you'll find when you look at some of these different templates, they could be they work for the different types of template. It depends on what you're trying to accomplish, but you can take that same story, tell it, tell the same story a couple of different ways. So let's let's right now we're going to give you the other five. And so here's how we're going to do this a couple of different ways. If you have a QR reader and it's on your phone, you can snap that right now and it'll take you to our free ebook that we're giving you that have six templates in there, six different templates. Now, the URL is a little bit longer, but here's what we're going to do is we're going to make them available to you. We're going to make them available to you in the follow up email that we send you. We have a lot of links in there. There'll be quite a few links in there. There's going to be um that and there's going to be we've got more information that we can send you in fact let's try this there's a new window that should be showing up on your screen these are all the different links we're going to give you but the one the third one down there says six story templates the leader's guide to storytelling you can click on that navigate to it but that'll bring it up and then come back to us don't go away <laughs> but it'll take you to another window and you can just hold that right there so that you can get that then afterwards we will send it to you in the follow-up also but there are so many story templates out there six is barely scratches the surface there are quite a few we're going to give you six that can work very helpful okay 
Yep. And, and when Russ was saying about the QR reader, all you got to do is if you get your phone in front of you, you just put it in the camera mode. Yep. And you hover the camera over that QR code and it will automatically recognize it and, and say, do you want to go to that website? Yeah, it'll and, do that, I think, for Android devices and for iPhone devices. Yep, it'll, so, it'll jump there. Yeah, so just hover your phone over that and as if you're going to take a picture of the QR code and that'll take you directly to that link. Yeah. Um, but again, we'll send that to you afterwards in and, the email. And Todd, we'll come back to it, but we're also going to include it in the email that we send to you. Okay. Yeah, and I'm also going to type our, our generic mailbox here. It's info at iSpeak. Yeah. If, for whatever reason, you don't have that information and you want to be able to reach out to us, you can send us an email at info at iSpeak and we'll be able to get that and respond quickly. Yeah. And so let us give you this also. We've got more gifts for you. Kevin and I recorded a group study uh, for Corporate Ovations a while ago, and uh, that had a video that went with it. And that video, there's a link for that also. You can see it there. You um, can use your QR code, but we've also got, I think Kevin's going to put it in here in the chat window for you. This is the group study lesson on corporate storytelling. It doesn't go into the detail of the six templates, but it gives you a lot of tips on how to tell better stories. About a, what were they, like eight to 10 minute videos, each of those? This particular video is 13 minutes. For real? Oh, do you know? <laughs> no, I just, I just watched it. Oh, my, it says 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to make a joke and say, this particular one is 48 minutes. No, it was, it was, well, it was 14, Mahesh. So. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? We take good content and put it in seven minutes. Russ packed double that, so you're getting double <laughs> double the, the impact <laughs> with that particular video. Yeah. All right, and so then one more thing we, we want to show you also, and then we're going to take your questions. So if, if you have any questions bubbling up in your head since we've started, we want to take those now. But if you would like more information on our workshop, on the workshop, Dara Kukla is our, she's our key contact for anyone who would like to deliver this particular workshop on corporate storytelling. And so we just wanted to give her email address so that you could contact her and just say, hey, I want some more information on that particular workshop, All right? So let's take some let's take some questions now, and we're also going to tell you about our upcoming. We've got more information to give you too. So after we take some questions, we're going to give you all the tips on how to add inspiration, and then how to also uh, give you about seven different tips to bring your stories to life. But we'll wait for just a moment here to see if anyone's got any questions that you want to that you would like to ask. Yep. And just jump in. I mean, if you've got yep. a question, just feel free to to ask it and we'll see it. Obviously, we can all see the chat here. So yeah. <laughs> if anybody's got, uh, yeah. got a question, we'll make sure to address it. So this will be a chance to just from this point forward, a question about, I'm going to say any of those six templates or even specifically the template that we just shared, the lesson learned story. Yeah. Or maybe questions about the class yeah. that we teach. And then this will also be a good chance to kind of talk about and kind of plug the, the upcoming webcast. So we do this every couple of months. It, it's hard to say it's going to be on a, on a particular schedule because a lot of it depends on our travel schedule. Russ and I are on the road frequently. And so the next time that we're together in the office is going to be September 5th. And we're going to be doing a that webcast. Sounds, that sounds so far away. It does. Well, <laughs> but it's true. But it is very true. I, I looked at my availability for August and I'm, yeah. I'm, there's none. Um, Kevin will be on the other side of the planet. Yeah, for the next two weeks, I'll be teaching in Asia. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Communication Influence is the next webcast on Thursday, September 5th. And then the next one that we know is happening is going to be in January. And it's got a similar title. It's called Visual Storytelling. Today, it's about corporate storytelling. How do you tell a story in the workplaces today? 
how do you visually tell that story using PowerPoint, using the graphics and yeah. the slide design okay. templates? That's going to be in January. And that one, I will give an extra plug. That one, we jump out of just the mode you're looking at now where you're just looking at slides we show. And I'm going to let Kevin drive on that one. But he's going to actually, in live, live and in person, you're going to see him working on the screen. And he's going to show you how to do some of this visual storytelling, some of these amazing things you can do with your slides to make them more engaging. All right. So one yep, question. That's all that's coming up. Yep. Oh, Brian says, does it have to be a personal experience, something that happened to you yourself or a secondhand story acceptable? Of course, it's acceptable if there's a couple things, Brian. Number one is if it's someone else's story, you always want to make sure you have their permission to use that story. And you should also, if you need to, change the names or leave the names out. So if, if it were something that would be embarrassing to someone else, then you wouldn't use, you wouldn't use that other person's name when you share that story. So that's, we just don't want to air other people's, if you want to call it dirty laundry or anything like that. So getting their permission is key. But I know that I've shared stories that Kevin has told before, and he shared some of my stories. And the way I set it up, Brian, is I just say, Kevin, uh, who I've known for many years, shares a story about him and his son. And it's an amazing experience. And then I go into the story and I share that. And Kevin knows, and he's given me permission to do that. So that would be the one concern. When it comes to what stories will resonate with your audience the best, it can depend on the audience, but they're they're both very uh, they're both very effective. The, the audience tend they tend to like your personal stories the best. Yeah, well, you know, in the corporate storytelling class, we break it down into four types of stories, and we say, mm -hmm. and, and they're different. I mean, so to your point and what Brian's asking, it just depends on the point that you're trying to make, and it depends on who the audience is. But the the four types are number one, we talk about fictional stories, so they're totally made up. And they know it, though. Yeah. The audience knows. Yeah, like you, you've got a, an example where two butterflies are talking to each other. No, it's two caterpillars. <laughs> right. Sorry. Two, two, two caterpillars. Cat two caterpillars are on a branch, and they see a butterfly go by, and the one caterpillar says to the other, you'll never catch me up in one of those. And so it's obviously a fictional story, but it's, it's humorous, but it's also used to make a story. So if you're going to ever use fiction, then, uh, Brian, we always want to let them know it is fiction. We're not trying to pass fiction off as as something that's true. Yep, and there's a lot of those. I mean, I, I mean, Farmer Brown, I have a couple of Farmer Brown stories that we know are made up. So they're made up stories. The audience knows they are. So that's yeah. fictional. Second is historical stories. So kind of tying back to your different types, Brian. It, yeah, Abraham Lincoln or yeah. if, if those of you on the call are old enough to remember Paul Harvey, he would share the rest of the story where he'd give a historical account of someone that we all know but it's a story we never heard of about that person. And then he tells you who the person is at the end. Yep. So, and lots of history. I mean, I heard one not, not too long ago from NASA and they were talking about lessons learned from NASA. Yeah. And, and so there's just, you go back to something that you resonate with from history and build your story around that and have that lesson. Again, follow the template of lessons learned even in terms of being able to apply it to a historical yeah. event. The Everest story, Mount Everest story yeah. has a lot of stories. The four-minute mile story. There are so many uh, stories about achievement or lessons learned, and they're historical, and you can use those. So yep. fictional, so, historical, other people's stories. Other people's stories. And then your own stories. Those are the four types that you can jump into. Good. Yep. Very yep. good. Excellent question. Um, so we'll keep going again. Anybody else, if you've got questions, jump in, and we'll be able to hit those. Yeah, we'll keep the content moving, but if you've got it, go ahead and type in your question. <laughs> yeah. Driving the Uber is the best generator of stories. So nice, Joe, Joe. And, I, and I'm going to compliment Joe here for a minute. Joe was in one of my classes last year and Joe, I put you on the spot. We were doing a spontaneous 
presentations workshop that Joe was a part of. And Joe, I knew that on the side you were an Uber driver and I put you on the spot and I said, Joe, why do you drive for Uber? And that was your spontaneous question. And Joe immediately kind of dove into an awesome story that told why he gave us the essence of why he was an Uber driver. And Joe, you, you, you know, there's so many different stories that you created and, and collected over the years. Good. So, all right. So we're going to move into, there's two big pieces here. We're going to leave you with them. This part is how do I add inspiration to a story? And then finally, some, some tips on how to bring your stories to life. So when it comes to inspiration, a lot of people have heard that word. The key to remember is that inspiration is not required unless the task is big. And so the point is that if you say, well, I want to inspire my audience. My first question is, what are you trying to get them to do? And if it's something small, I say, you're not trying to inspire them. You don't have to inspire them. That's a tiny step. If you truly want to incorporate inspiration, it's because you're asking them to do something big, something big. So just a couple of examples from history of things that are big. We probably remember JFK either from history or if you were alive and actually saw us, but he says we choose to go to the moon. And with Reagan at the Berlin Wall, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Now, the one thing about both of those instances is that they are about vision. They're about vision and they're about taking the audience to taking the audience to a new place, taking them to someplace off in the future. Now, does JFK know how to get to the moon? No. Did Reagan know exactly how this process was going to go down for tearing down this wall? No. But they, do you see how they put something out there that was big? They put something out there that was big. And when they put it out there, something big, they knew that it, it alone, because of it, would be inspiring. That would be inspiring. So our first point is this, that if you truly feel like you're asking them to make a big step, a vision that's out there, that alone can be inspiring. But that's when you definitely want to add this inspirational piece. You want to add the inspiration. In. So how do you put the inspiration in there? In other words, what do you actually say? We like giving templates and models. So the question is, what do I say? Well, what do I do if I want to put that inspiration in there? And we're going to some people may say we're oversimplifying it, but I like simple. It's easy. We're going to give you a one, two, three. Here's how you add the inspiration at the end. At the end, when you're telling them about the next step, that's when you paint the vision of here's where we're going off into the future. The second thing is you don't give them a step by step and micromanage every step along the way. You let them solve. You, you, you let them solve it. Here's where we're going and why it's so noble, why there's purpose behind it, why we want to do it. And now you are the team that's going to take us there. I believe in you. You're important to this organization. Each one of you has something that you can contribute that will take us there. And when we arrive, I can't wait to be standing in your audience to applaud each one of you up on the stage because you're the ones who brought us here. So it's something like that, but you package that together with tell them where we're going, but you don't solve it. You let them solve it. Now there's an underlying benefit to this. Here's the underlying benefit. Think about this. Think about this. If I'm a manager and I gave you every step along the way of how you're supposed to go about this and then something goes wrong, it doesn't work, one of the steps, it fails. Who are you going to blame? The leader. Yeah. You've probably blamed me. I'm the leader. I'm the one that gave you every single step and now it didn't work. Well, I knew, well, Russ gave us bad information. It's not going to work. So if I give you the support and the encouragement. And I tell you, this is what we're going to solve. And I let you solve it. And then something goes wrong along the way. Who are you going to go to? You're not going to come to me. 
you're going to figure it out on your own and you would say, you know what, that didn't work, but here, let's do this, let's modify that. And you'll make adjustments along the way. So if you not only want to inspire them, but second, you want them to self-navigate to the destination, this is how you set it up. May have oversimplified it there, but we like to give you simple three pieces. Paint the vision, let them know that, that, that they're going to go solve this, and then give them the encouragement and the, and the support in order to make that happen. That's the inspirational piece. So the you can piece. weave that into the template that we just gave them. That's right. On the lessons yeah. learned. I mean, the right. last two steps are vision and purpose. Yes. And so you're really just helping create that yeah. support. So that's exactly it. The, the vision and the purpose are the last two. And so it, you just do number two here, which is let them let them solve it. What I see some managers do is they follow our template, but then they feel the need to give every step along the way. Like, here's how we're going to do that. You do this, you do this, you do this. Some some employees need that. Some people need they need well they need direction. <laughs> I need they, that. They definitely need direction. But if we give them every step along the way, what you're doing is you're removing autonomy, which we know from Dan Pink takes away motivation and inspiration. And then if something goes wrong, they're going to come back to you as opposed to fixing it on their own. Get them involved. Nice, Todd. He said, get them involved. It creates a buy-in. Absolutely. So that's the inspirational piece. Now let's get into these tips of what are some things that we can do to be a better storyteller how we can tell more engaging stories. Well, and I think you guys provided some of those, but I mean, go back mm -hmm. to some of the stories and some of the examples that you provided earlier. I mean, what were some of those words that we heard? I remember the word humor, yeah, involvement, yeah. engagement. What else? You guys tell me. I mean, what's, a, what's another characteristic or attribute that makes a great story? Or let's add this, or what makes a great storyteller? Emotion. Nice emotion. Because those are kind of two different aspects. I mean, what makes a great story? Emotion. Mm -hmm. I think, Mahesh, we could use that. What makes a great storyteller could be somebody who displays some of that emotion, shows some of that emotion. Mm -hmm. Good. Could yeah. work. Relating to the office. Inflections in the voice. Travis. Yeah. Very nice, Travis. Creating suspense. And I think, oh, there we go, Mahesh. I was, just gonna, I was just about to say that a lot of what I'm reading there goes back to what Russ had said earlier about landing a great pause. The one, the number one thing that we think more leaders, more speakers could incorporate in to really take them to the next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are all good. And so I love every single one of these talking in character. Very good, Ken. We call that dialogue. And that is so effective. That is so effective. Yeah, and address that. We don't have that. We're not, yeah. We don't have that plan to yeah. this. So talk about that for a second, because I think there's multiple ways to do dialogue from a like, I'm not going to do the voice. Yeah. Like, well, my, my boss can... looked at me and said, Gavin, yeah. how come you're not doing what I told you to do? Like, I, mean, I don't know if, like... Where, what kind of a boss did you have to talk like he was that? Really, he was really slow. He was my manager at Pizza Hut. I don't remember ever having a boss that talked like Gavin, that. Gavin, how come? <laughs> uh, one of our... One of our should do more voices. Yeah. <laughs> my... I. Ken's in, uh, sometimes they talk like a pirate. No, just kidding. I, I didn't. I Kevin. <laughs> we need to have more of our hands on board. What are you, a Scottish pirate? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh, Joseph. We need to have a more of the hands on the board. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know about doing the voices, but being no, a no character, being, being, a, I mean, being a character, being a character can work. We all like humor. We do like humor. That's true. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> so he says that's a little, a little Scottish. Yeah. yeah. A little bit Scottish. I'm working on my yeah. accents, and they're not the, good. The best. best so my point was that you don't. I don't. I don't do voice. I don't do the voice. No, but you do the dialogue. But I do the dialogue, and I think the dialogue is important. And it, without even having to do the voice. <laughs> well, and it, it, even if you're not going to do the voice, you need to set the dialogue apart. And what I mean by that is, we talk about pauses. You could put a, a brief pause before it or after it when you deliver it, and let them know it is dialogue. Here, I'll give you a quick difference between the two. My boss put me on this project as the lead. That's information, right? I just gave you information. I'm going to be the lead on this project. Now listen to that same thing delivered a different way. My manager told me, Russ, I'm going to have you take lead on this. Do you hear the difference? The first one was information. We give information all the time in business. The second one was dialogue. I actually became the manager for a moment and delivered that one line. So as Kevin was saying, don't turn this into Shakespeare. Don't turn it into theater. When you offer dialogue, here's the, here's the power of it. It takes the mind of the audience back in time to the moment when it actually took place and it causes them to actually imagine what happened. They actually imagine it. And the imagination is one thing that we can tap into and that's powerful. That's a powerful thing. When people tap into their imagination, people tell me, I wanna, Russ, I wanna be a more engaging speaker. What do I need to do? And one of the first things I go to is tap into their imagination. This is the creativity. Remember the three brains you have? Mm -hmm. I have so, three. So the logic and the feeling are the two that we tend to always gravitate toward. Got to give them a logical reason, yes. And, and you should engage their feelings somehow. Make them feel confident in the proposal. That's great. Now tap into their creativity and their imagination, which is the third element. And we're going to give you a shortcut for doing that. It's, you can, it sounds too simple, but all you have to do is tell the audience to do it. In other words, you could say something like, imagine this, or this is what one of my students made me aware of. I use this phrase a lot. I will say, picture this. I want you to picture this. And you say, and you say something to them and you give it to them. Here's another. Um, and let me interrupt because I think yeah. the powerful of what I just heard you say in both of those examples mm -hmm. was the pause. Mm, there we the go. pause right after Back to the pause. Picture this. Picture this. And you just land a long enough of a pause for me to say, all right, I'm going to picture this. Yes. And what happens is that the creative part of the brain starts to crank up. It warms up. It's you tell somebody to imagine this and then pause. They, their brain will warm up and say, all right, brain, get ready. We're, we're going to have to picture something right now. You're doing it to me right now. Picture this. I'm doing it. Yeah. I saw his eyes got bigger. <laughs> Your eyes dilated really, just a little bit. You really did. <laughs> Here's an example that I will use in uh, a business setting. Think of this. You do it to me again. No, stop. If, if I said... If I gave a bunch of information, it's just information. But if I say something like, picture this, picture this right now. Picture, I want you to picture a horse in a meadow. It's dawn. Sun's coming up over the tree line. Green grass, a little bit of dew on there. As the sun comes up, you can see bugs kind of flying around. Now, did you picture that? Yes, that's easy to picture, right? What color was your horse? Brown. It's always brown, it seems like, every time I ask. I never told you the color, but I'm just proving a point. If you had a color to your horse... I know you were using your imagination to picture that. Now, that's about a horse in a meadow. Here's the hard part is, as a leader, I may need to talk about financial acumen. So go ahead and picture that. Got it. <laughs> Discipline. Leadership. Pick any of your core competencies for your job at work. That's hard to picture, isn't it? 
it's hard to picture that. We love when a leader gets up and he's going to talk about financial acumen and why it's so important, and then they give us something to picture. It makes it more engaging. It's hard for us to picture something if, if we can't picture. So that's all the imagination is. That's all. Yeah, and I think tied to that is really the senses aspect of it, mm -hmm. to, to really think about how you tie into all the five senses that, um, that we have. And so you sit there and you think about how you engage these. So you've got some examples here on the screen of smell, sight, hearing, touch, and taste of different ways that we do that. How, how do you incorporate taste into your stories? I, I, I once mentioned, no, I was telling the story one time, and it's about the fact that I love apple pie. And what I love about it is it's the sweet and the cinnamon together. And then sour apple is the green. You know, the green apple. I love my mom makes it with green apples and I love that. And so I just mentioned sour, I mentioned green apple, I mentioned cinnamon. No, my mouth is watering already. Here's what we love about so the senses. Yeah. Here's what uh, we found interesting when we did some research on this is that neuroscientists will actually give people like apple pie and they, they look at their brain and they see the part of the brain that fires up. It fires up and gets going. Then they had someone sit in a room and they told them in very descriptive manner about warm apple pie. And then they watched their brain and guess what? It did the exact same thing as eating apple pie. Hmm. So the point is this, the same region of your brain that gets activated when eating apple pie gets activated when you're thinking about eating rap, uh, apple pie. So you want to be more engaging? Mention one little thing about the senses. If it'll fit in there, again, don't, don't be unprofessional. We're just letting you know, you slip one line in here with one of the five senses, that just became more engaging. Now, to me, more of what we're teaching and, and the, all these little things that we do, these aren't things that you try to jam into every story. Mm -hmm. They're things that you've got in your back pocket and not on the spot. That's the other thing. I don't think, I don't think there's great spontaneous storytellers. I think those are the ones that end up rambling more than anything else. No, there's a difference between being spontaneous and saying, I've got them in my back pocket. Yeah. But as you write out your stories, you start to go back and analyze and say, are there other senses that I could build into this story? Are there different emotions? Are there different aspects of my the imagination that I could, could put out there? The feelings that I want them to have. Are there, are there little things that I could go back and increase the interaction and the engagement with my audience using that story? So there's lots of these. Yeah. So, so where do you want to go next? Metaphors? Because that's, a, I mean, that's yeah. a, another key that, aspect here. Yeah, metaphors is a great way for you to, you can bring this into a story, but here's why I love this, is you don't even have to be telling a story to use a metaphor, and you, you become more engaging also. So we're teaching it now because you can incorporate it into a story, but keep this in mind, you don't have to even be telling a story. Someone's talking about network, fire, uh, network without a firewall. They say a network without a firewall is like a house with no walls. Pause. Yep. <laughs> and then they might give the good news and the bad news of it. You know, the good news is that you don't have to worry about ever being locked out or losing your keys, but nothing is secure or private. Now, here's my question is if I say uh, it's like a house with no walls, if I pause right there, did you picture something? Did you picture what would that look like? I mean, what does a house with no walls actually look like? And here's a point I want to make. Did it look like this? That's kind of beautiful. That's really did, nice. did it look goofy like that? That's kind of goofy. Or did it look like this in the mountains? But the whole question is, it doesn't matter. And in fact, we see a lot of speakers who like to put photos up when they're speaking about something. I have found that if you don't put any photo up and you give them the ability to do a photo in their mind, it's even more engaging. You know this is true if you've ever read a book and then you saw the movie. And then your response afterwards was, the book was better. 
the book was better. You know why? Because you got to be the director and create all the sets in your mind. You pictured it a certain way. And then if it doesn't match exactly what's in the movie, you're a little disappointed. So don't feel like you have to have photos of all these things, but you give someone a metaphor, they will picture it in their mind. That's like trying to cram a cantaloupe through a PVC pipe. I got it. You pictured it. You pictured it. So you're well, by doing that, you're tapping into not only the logic, the feeling, you're tapping into the creativity. That's the third element that a lot of people forget about. But I think the key of what we're learning in this particular area about this is that let the audience create the picture. Yes. Let's not give it to them. Because I think you and Don't I have both to. seen that there, there, some people are so PowerPoint heavy that every single topic, every single mm -hmm. sentence, every part of their story feels like it's got to be a, a, a slide yeah. with a picture. And, and, and it's more like watching a movie that's being narrated than being able to tell the story. So I, I really like the idea that we're able to balance this. And like you said, let the audience do their own picturing. Yeah, absolutely. Good. So... Here's how we're going to uh, end it today, and that is uh, what's what's next for you. And we're going to give you a reminder of a couple of things that we're going to send to you, and then tell you also about the uh, the upcoming work, uh, webinar that we have in September. But if you want more information on our corporate storytelling workshop, where you actually get to apply some of this, and we will coach you on your delivery and give you some of this advice, like the metaphors on it. When we see an opportunity for it, we will help you deconstruct and reconstruct your stories by incorporating some of these simple elements uh, that we've shown you. And there's there's a lot. We just gave you a handful, some of those things that we can add. But if you're interested in storytelling, you can contact Dara directly and she can send you more information on that workshop. And, and being able to practice that in front of the group yeah. and be able to get live coaching. And I, I, what I love about the classroom is there's usually 10 to 12 people. It's not a, it's not a huge class because we want to be able to give that personal coaching that somebody in the class sees something. They're going to give you that that little bit of coaching of something about landing a pause or adding some humor or using an expression or, or facial expressions are my favorite when people are, go back and say mirror that facial expression with that language that you use that suddenly you're taking your storytelling to the next level. Mm -hmm. And the audience that we get, I mean, it's mixed. There's people who walk in saying, I don't tell good stories. Can y'all help me? And, and they're better than they think. But they needed the basics and there's others that need the polish. Mm -hmm. and, and I think both of us do a great job in the classroom of either taking that beginner to a place where they're feeling really comfortable delivering a story. And we can take that person who's really professional and polish them and take them to that next level. Absolutely. We do blog posts on our website, a lot of storytelling help there and some of these other links. We hope you will join us again in the future. Uh, for another webinar and uh, we'll send you a follow-up link after this this one was recorded and we will make that link available so if you have a friend who couldn't make it you can send them the link and they can watch absolutely thank you all so much for being here we're glad that you invested an hour of your time to be with us and we look forward to seeing you in the classroom or in a future webcast every day we have our opportunities to tell our stories to get our data to tell us stories or just to be able to lead a team and imagine a better future. I want to reiterate what Russ and Kevin said. Thank you guys for spending more than an hour with us, the hour with them and the little bit extra with me. I do hope you enjoyed the friendship that you can tell Kevin and Russ have and some of their banter back and forth throughout this webinar. I will say one last time, if you guys want more information on corporate storytelling, if you want to experience the podcast and see what they were referencing since you could only hear it, please feel free to reach out to us, info at ispeak.com, I-N-F-O at ispeak.com. 
or feel free to visit our website, www.ispeak.com, I-S-P-E-A-K.com. With the right information, with a little bit of inspiration, even if it's a little goofy from a webinar like this, you guys can have the tools to implement and you will see everyday improvement.